Well, hello, everyone. Welcome, welcome, welcome. We have reached the end of the line, question mark, when it comes to Star Trek Prodigy. But before we get there, welcome to another episode, another discussion here on These Are the Voyages. I'm the captain, Captain Chase McKinney. And joining me as always, question mark, italicized, underlined, bold, my good friends, Lieutenant Commander Eric and Lieutenant Commander David. What's going on, gents? Just having lots of fun like normal. I'm just mm. gonna I'm gonna just break the tension from here on out. We're not gonna we're not gonna play that joke anymore, Eric. We're just gonna I'm just gonna go from now okay. on. All take right. take okay. I, I gotta take command of the situation, you know? Yeah, you do. Okay. Good. nice to know. This is the part where you're like, Hey, David, look at me. I'm the captain now. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, the things I probably was not supposed to hear. It's fine. It's fine, I think. All right. Well, one gag has ended, but another one has begun, which I guess is David jumping in after two seconds of the prompt. Is that, is that a gag now? Is that, is that a thing? Is that, is that a thing? Is that a bit? Is, is that, that a bit a now? Is that Are a you doing a bit? Now? <laughs> oh, Lord have mercy. Well, um... Yeah, before we before we talk about the episode, uh, what's been what's been going on in y'all's world? I mean, I survived the ice storm that has now closed school for what will be two days today and tomorrow. Mm. Like, I'm frankly I'm embarrassed for you Texans and you Southerners that this was enough to close school. Like, are you kidding me? Like, are you kidding me? A little, you can't deal with a little bit of freezing rain. <laughs> Like, come on. I've been to school in much worse than this. So have I, by the way. Like, like I got an email at 6 p.m. on Wednesday night, 13 hours before we were supposed to be to work the next day, saying that school was going to be canceled. 13 hours ahead of time? (laughs) Are you kidding me? Who makes that decision? Like, you can't make a decision 13 hours ahead of time based on weather. Sure you can. It's Texas. No, you can't. (laughs) Well, I'm embarrassed for you Texans that you think this is the reason to close school. I I remember years ago, uh, one of of my counterparts uh, who worked out of uh, the the San Antonio area sent a picture of, uh, of just, like, the street. And... They had got like a, maybe like a quarter inch of snow, and it's like, oh yeah, we're closed. And it's like, for what? That light dusting that is on the ground, like that's not even plowable. That's just something you drive on. <laughs> that's something that the citizens driving on clear up. I mean, what are we talking about? I mean, I I went on a visit. I went and visited uh, Purdue University in Indiana one time. And uh, it, it snowed, and like they didn't even plow the streets or the sidewalks at the university. You just had students like walking through big mounds of snow with instead of like a cleared sidewalk, and cars were just driving down unplowed roads. And they were like, mm-hmm. whatever. No one seemed to be bothered by it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Those were the days, man. Those were the days. Everything's bigger in Texas, especially the excuses. Oh, dang. And then I got an email today at 5 p.m., Thursday at 5 p.m., saying that 
class was going to be canceled tomorrow. Now 14 hours ahead of time. Man, dude. <laughs> Come on, people. Man. Oh, boy. I was I was talking to um, to some other friends of mine because um, uh, Wednesday, like, we're typically um, out of the house um, doing, like, activities and stuff. And um, we got a message from um, from our church, and it was like, uh, hey, we're, we're going to cancel Wednesday night uh, activities just because, like, the worst of the storm is supposed to be coming in, like, with freezing rain and sleet and stuff like that. And, you know, we don't want anyone driving in that. And I'm like, great, because I don't want to be driving in that. Some, some other friends were like, why don't you just, like, stream it? Like, I'm part of the media team. I don't want to be up there, like, operating a camera or running a switchboard when it's, like, icy and, and stuff like that. So, Hey, Ohio, you for, former Midwestern guy, how about you just, like, do your Midwestern things and get there and do everything for us? It's like a token Midwestern friend. You know, you're just supposed to brave the elements naturally. Yeah, but, but like, here's the thing. Here's the thing. It was too dangerous to get on the drive out on the roads and go to work, go to school. But a lot of people went to the store, ran errands, did all those things. Apparently, it's too dangerous to go to work or school, but it's not too dangerous to go to the store, Hold go on. run errands. Milk and or bread, order man. a pizza. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's like it's like. Remember, oh, we we can't go out and eat, so we'll get a pizza delivered to us. So you can't drive, but some sixteen-year-old and a twenty-year-old Honda Civic can deliver so your pizza. Oh, that's so that's so annoying. <sighs> like that sixteen-year-old and this twenty-year-old Honda Civic. Man, I really don't want to get out there and like. I we need we need stuff from the grocery store. We don't have anything to eat. Let's call up. Let's call up the local pizza joint. <laughs> Bring it to us. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. I'm not I'm not out there. Who cares? <laughs> I don't have to get out in it. They're going to bring it to me. Ah. Oh, my stuffed crust pepperoni pizza. Yeah. Come on. With, bre- with breadsticks. And pineapple. Mmm. Here we go. Here we go. <laughs> it's fine. Oh boy! Oh boy! Oh boy! Yes, yeah. We we definitely had um, we had some snow and um, Eric. Since um, it didn't even snow here, it didn't even we snow. Got it was just a little ice. We a got bit snow. Of ice. And um, you would be embarrassed by this, but like, you know, we got like four inches of snow up here um, at the house. And um, after I got done with work, uh, my daughter was like really wanting to like go outside and play in the snow and you know do stuff and wanted to make a snowman i'm like all right cool we can make a snowman and like it was like barely packing snow just barely packing snow it was more powdery than anything and i'm like all right all right come on kiddo let's 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 make some let's make a snowman and it was i mean it's like this tiny little thing right like just a tiny little mound of snow like three you know balls like slightly bigger than the other and like we had like some old expired stuff that we were using for like buttons and like there were like like um, in fact we still had like a few raspberries left over from like making a cheesecake so we used like raspberries for like buttons we had like a little like baby carrot for the nose and just a random like twig that we just snapped in half for the arms i mean it was it was it was cute like it was fun and she just like kept throwing snowballs at me and i threw snowballs at her and 
she made snow angels and you know whenever you're a kid you don't think about like the fact like you're running around and you're packing the snow down so you're making more ice I'm like I'm just thinking I oh great you're having a good time you're you're packing it down thanks appreciate it appreciate it <laughs> oh okay any other like winter sports stuff besides the winter olympics being a thing now that we need to process has that, have those started yet pretty sure it has I, I, I don't know. Whatever. Okay. All right. Well, here we are. Here we are with uh, with uh, good old Star Trek Prodigy. And like I said at the tail end of last week, guys, I am not ready for this to end. At least for, you know, five, six, however many months until we get the next set of ten episodes for what has been declared a 20-episode first season. This is your red alert. We are going into spoiler territory. Red alarm! Red alarm! And uh, anyway, if you have not seen the episode, A Moral Star Part 2, make sure you go check it out. Otherwise, if you don't really care, keep on listening because we're going to have fun talking. I have a very, very uh, good guess that we're going to have a fun conversation talking about this episode tonight today, this morning, this afternoon, whenever you're listening, people out there in listener land. Okay. Guys. Okay. So with this episode, we, one of the things that we were talking about, kind of grumbling about last week was, you know, last week was a good episode, but it went by at freaking proto star speed, basically. And it just like literally stopped like middle of something. It's like someone just took the snipping tool in, in pro tools or, you know, premier pro or whatever. And it was like, that's it. Roll the credits. And now here we are, we get to finally see the episode, the story conclude. Um, and a lot is taking place. A lot has taken place in this episode, uh, from where we left it off. So, <sighs> um, so la- the last time we left our crew, um, they essentially had made a deal with the devil where Gwen ended up on the protostar. And then we had Dal and the rest of the crew that were stuck on Tars Lamora, essentially with like the gravity being an issue with the power being an issue. And now we have a very short amount of time to fix the stuff and to do our, do the thing, do our thing, whatever the thing is basically. Um, and part of that is them just deciding to go ahead and split up and, and get after the repairs, which I was really enjoying. Um, so, um, Eric, what were your, what were your thoughts in terms of how this episode like kind of picked up from like the abrupt stop last week? Oh, well, I, I, um, I went and I watched both parts one and parts two of this together Okay. Right, and it really—it's one episode. Like, I mean, we, like the pilot episode, like Lost and Found, right? Is technically, I think, episodes one and two, but it's really just one episode. It was presented to us as one episode, and this is really—it's one episode, right? And it's a normal one episode Star Trek, and it like picks up, and it just—it blends seamlessly, and it's like I don't feel like it was designed 
to like be at a stopping point. I just I think they like literally like okay, that's all the time we got and cut, right? I don't think they ever thought about. I mean, who knows? But like, it, it's not two episodes. It's it's one seamless episode, and it it works together. It works perfectly together as one episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean. It's it's two short episodes. It's two episodes that felt very short. That I mean, and we we said this last week. It it would have been nice, even without knowing what was happening this week. We all were kind of like, let's just do one. Just pump out one, you know, fifty minute hour episode, whatever, and uh, and just be done with it. But you know, stretch stretch it out. Um, but no, seamless, uh, seamless transition there, and uh, you know, right into uh, what what would have kind of been more the meat, the meat yeah. of one longer episode. But but what I guess the point I was trying to make is that it doesn't feel short when you watch them back to back. Right, right. It it feels correct. Yeah. Well, maybe this will. I mean, this will probably be part of like a later discussion as we get closer to like deltas and evaluate like numerical rating type stuff but the thing about this episode for me and I don't know what you guys thought but for some reason like part two didn't feel short or quick in the same way that part one did um, in, in my viewing of it no it didn't I, I, I felt I felt like it was short but I could see how it doesn't because you're actually getting a conclusion. And a conclusion is usually more impactful than the start of anything. Sure. Because you're missing something. So Yeah. Yeah. Well, with um so with this episode, we have the diviner who's gotten his precious. He's got he has the he has the protostar. And uh we have Goth Janeway who's doing her thing. Got her um, eyeliner on. <laughs> <laughs> We had to save budget. Go black and white, man. We're gonna do best draft, right? That's how you like. That's that's how you do like a quick print. Let's do. Let's just let's just let's just you know go black and white, but but let's make it pop a little bit, you know, like a little like blue on the piping of her uniform. We'll call it good. Um, you so we find out. Oh shoot! There is no proto star up in that piece. Um, that it has it has disappeared. Obviously, we know we know that uh, Murph ended up with it, but now it's like really catching up with with folks. Um, and there's like arguments. There's some conflict that's taking place between Gwen and her father, um, and like the whole like ninja um, metallic armor goop was an heirloom right that can become anything um and essentially like is using it against her at this point uh which i mean i enjoyed that that exchange like i enjoyed the tension that was taking place in that particular scene i thought it was done really really well yeah it was a really effective scene like the thing that he gave to her and called an heirloom which you know something you pass down he then used it against her right Right. And with 
with all this stuff, like there's there's this conversation of like, should I get the brig ready uh, by by hollow by hollow goth Janeway, um, and essentially we we're getting back to Tars Lamora where things are starting to awaken, right? We have to we have split up. We we're trying to fix the things, and we 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 happen upon like this power like I don't know like a power core essentially like just a power conduit something that is like all like fritzing and freaking out and like oh shoot we gotta fix this but I have no idea how we're gonna do it by the way Rock I need you to hold the door while I do some percussive engineering type of thing Yeah, and then just just slightly before that um, we do have you know Dal and Zero that are trying to round up the the workers, but also we have our little you know machine guards starting to reactivate as well. Yes, and even and thank you, David, because like that that was a very um, good payoff, I think, for like especially what we saw in episode one with this show, where they can't communicate with one another, and now here we are. Dal, who's wearing his jetpack and his his uh, badge, which is a short-range uh, communicator or, or uh, uh, translator, and now they're actually able to talk to each other. Mm-hmm. Um, loved it, loved it. Yeah, and yeah. They're like, after all this time, like I can, like this is my name. Well, this is my name, and after all this time, we can talk to each other and I can communicate my feelings to you. And this is, it's like they have a nice embrace. Whether or not you want to call that romantic, you want to call that friendship, whatever, right? Mm-hmm. It was a really touching moment of just like being able to communicate with somebody, which you know we as humans we need that communication, right? right. We are, yeah, we're social beings, so we have we need we need to be able to have some kind of social benefit, social payoff by being in relationship with one another, and part of that is is being able to communicate, like what we do um, on a weekly basis. Um, I, I love this. Uh, whenever like they show up, and um, it's like I understand you, and I understand you. How? It's a shortwave translator. Now, if you would kindly make your way to the my name's Gorgeslot, I'm Trodo. After so many years, it, it's nice to finally talk. I've been holding in these thoughts and feelings so long, Gorgeslot. This is all nice and stuff, but if y'all would just yeah. get to the ship, that would be great. <laughs> just like, yeah, this is nice. Good, good. You have your moment, but like, I'm just going to move along. Move along. Just go, <laughs> go, go. Sorry to interrupt this beautiful moment, but you have to go. Now, go get to the ship. Get to the chopper. It's, a, it's, <laughs> <laughs> it's an interesting thing, though, because the lack of communication is effectively a, c- a control tool from the diviner. Mm-hmm. Um, if you can't talk, if you can't communicate, then you can't potentially plan or fight back or have any sort of hope. And, um, you know, we've seen throughout history how lack of communication has led to, well, I mean, any mannerism of things, including genocide in some cases. Um, but, I think it's a, and it goes further on in the episode as well when we advance that communication to everyone. 
but I think it has a lot more of a of kind of a societal message as well when you think about the means in which we communicate nowadays where you have a lot of internet-based, online-based communication and even that leads to so much misunderstanding or hard feelings and keyboard warriors and so forth when if you actually spent the time and talked to somebody face-to-face you could potentially come to a greater understanding of other people as well. So I think that they actually drew that out very poignantly in this episode, which I I appreciated a lot. Yeah, and we definitely, like you're alluding to, of course, like we definitely see that coming up, especially towards the end of this episode, Mm -hmm. for sure. Like that very idea of like, just get together and talk. Like let's let's sit around a table and let's talk about it. Right right Eric? Let's, let's just sit around a table and have a conversation. Let's, let's do that. Eric would love that. Yes. Star Trek I, round table. I, I mean I love that on my Star Trek. I mean I'm not so much a fan of that in real life. <laughs> I mean I don't actually want to do it, but I like to see it on TV. Yeah, yeah, that that right there. <laughs> Eric and I have been in plenty of meetings where we've been told we need to listen to other people mm-hmm. and it's it's the other people that talk forever. Mm-hmm. If you let them. Anyway. Yeah, let's go to this. Let's go to the we got to fix the power cord to reset the shield so we can like the atmosphere won't, you know, whatever. We got to fix the thing, right? And yeah. Jankum's like, I got to try to fix this and I, and I can't do it. And then Rock Talk's like, I, am I just going to hold the door? I can do more than that. He's like, do you want to switch places? <laughs> and Rock is like, some impressive techno babble, which I'm not going to like try to repeat. Oh, if we do this I, and this and this and this and this techno babble, techno babble our way out of here. I love hearing this. And Jacob's like, new idea. I'll hold the door. You go do all of that. <laughs> <laughs> I actually did capture the, the techno babble if anyone wants to know it. Okay, sure. What if you interplex the plasma conduits, adjust for input variances in the dilithium matrix, and siphon off the energy of the protocore to jumpstart it? Okay. And James like, change of plans. I'll hold the door. You go do that. <laughs> you do that. <laughs> and, like, that's just, like, great payout, right? Because, like, Rock Talk at the beginning of the first episode, oh, it's just a big scary thing and then it has a little cute girly voice and then oh rock talk you're gonna be the security officer because you're big but i don't want to be the security officer and then she spent all that time alone and did all that learning right lots of math Mm a lot of math a lot of math and there's like still more payoff for it here and she's like essentially you know helping save the day through her intellect and everything that she's learned. And I think that is fantastic. Another another thing that I liked though, was the, the fact that, I mean, we've seen this in, in the live action from time to time when you have someone who's supposed to be considered the expert in something who's questioned by somebody who might know something, you know, shut up Wesley moment type of deal. But the, the thing here with like Jankum is, you know, he 
when he says, do you have an, an idea or, or however he says that, it wasn't really said in like a, a condescending way or like a, a way to put her down or, or whatever. It was said like, do you have an idea? Can you, you know, input? And then, yeah, like, you know, you guys said they traded places and, and she was able to kind of execute her plan. But I think it's, I think it's an important part of like the, the growth as a crew that we've been talking about. Mm-hmm. To where they don't have the the ego going around that would cause more problems that you have to overcome throughout the show. The, th- and the thing that I, I really loved about this is too often in, in some stories, like especially like one-off storytelling, like you learn the lesson and then you never come back to it. Like you like kind of just forget that it ever happened, that you ever had that experience. And while this is a two-parter or a one or a full story whatever however you want to tee that up it's this did come right off of that amok time i'm sorry the the time amok um episode where she was all alone so just the fact that we didn't leave that alone that we we allowed rock talk to actually grow and it stay with her is fantastic it is such a strength for her as a character. It's just it's wonderful character development. It's a wonderful character moment in this in this episode, and I'm here for it, man. I'm, I'm just I'm so glad it wasn't wasted. So glad it wasn't wasted. Yeah. So um, definitely. Um, all right. So with with everything that's going on, um, you know what? Let's just let's just kind of stick with like the the Tars Lamora stuff, and then like we'll. I guess just kind of kick back in with like the protostar and what's happening with that just a little bit later on instead of like bouncing around kind of like it was doing in this episode. So um, anyway, that's happening. And we have, um, uh, we have zero um, doing, doing just a few things, you know, just, just doing a few things. Getting uh, shot. Yeah. Nothing, nothing major, you know, just trying to, you know, rescue the, the prisoners and, you know, getting shot. It's fine. I didn't use that. I didn't really know how to use those arms anyway, so <laughs> it's no big deal. And uh, anyway, we have we have a sweet little kitty. If we want to talk about this, you don't want to no. talk about the cation. No, I don't want to talk about the. Well, I mean, I think, I think there's an important moment with the cation coming up. Eh, just just a little bit. Mm. Yeah, so and, and, yeah, and, and important how the hell did that happen type of thing. David, this sounds like it means so much to you. Why don't you take the lead on it, man? I don't I don't want to. Okay, so anyway, <laughs> Dal trying to save people, but can't can't it's taken too long. It's taken too long. I with my short range communicator, I can't can't get this done quick enough. We got to we got to speed this up. We there's something we got to do faster. Hey, let me use your ankle monitor as like a a broadcast, and I can I can do my science right. I can. He's not just a captain, but he's using his ingenuity, and he's using some sort of technical expertise that he's learned throughout the course of this show to, you know, hook his communicator up to the ankle monitors, and that way everyone can communicate with each other, and they can speed up this process. Mm-hmm. Right, that's 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 Star Trek right there. Let's 
use our ingenuity to help us solve this problem. And it works. Yeah, let's... Uh, I, I just thought it was funny because, like, it looks like he's taking, like, a little... Um, the, 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 uh, the, uh... What was it? It was like the uh, what are those coax cables? A little video co- part of the coax cable to like plug it in, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I just thought that was kind of funny. It's yeah, like where's yeah, the left and right audio, huh? Are we hearing this in stereo or is this only mono? Are we only getting the video feed? I mean, what are we doing? We need more cords. <laughs> this is like this is like CRTV stuff, you know? We got to get the tube television out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I still don't know how to program a VCR, but that's that's fine. That's fine. You got plenty uh, of time to learn, Chase. It's all good. That's totally new technology. Y'all, listen. If you don't know what a VCR is, it's this ancient Earth technology. Okay, let's move on. Yeah, yeah. Um, and right, right as this happens, right as he's like, we need more time, the protostar shows back up. Yeah, we're out of time. We have no more moments. Mm-hmm. I'm glad that the I'm glad that it wasn't like more prolonged to have the protostar return because sometimes we get that where they like, you know, it's like they have more time than what they're kind of speculating on, but it's like well, they didn't really go that far. They they didn't proto jump. It was just normal warp yeah, he, speed. Well, he so. didn't even. He said at the end of the first episode, he said full impulse. He didn't even say go to warp. Oh yeah, 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 yeah <laughs> full yeah. impulse. I just I just like that it actually didn't take a lot of time. I, I thought that was kind of kind of a good thing because it, it's not always it's not always done like that. Yeah. So that's true. And of course we have we have our favorite Robo Assassin, good old Dreadnought, making an appearance, uh, trying to uh, get the the Protocore back, get the the Protostar, the actual Protostar, back, um, so that the the ship. Uh, bearing the same name can you know get the heck out of there and go do what they're going to do which we learn more about towards the end of this and you know we know that murph is the the holder of this in his mocked up zero suit um so that it can be contained and whatnot and starts a chase and everything like that but of course we have the prisoners who come in and start bum rushing good old Dreadnought, and uh, that's when it's morphin time for um, for the Cation Kitty who uses her Cation powers. Yeah, but even before that, when she comes in, she says, "She says I have a voice now, right?" Yes. Which I think is an important moment. Like, like it, it. This goes back to like what we've been saying in Discovery. Like at the end of season three, it's like. We need to see Gray, right? Gray needs to be seen, and they're making a big deal about, oh, Gray needs to be seen, and Michelle Paradise is promising that will be paid off, Gray will be seen, and then Zora comes up and is like, it feels great to be seen now. Like, all of those things, while I understand what, like, the idea, like, there are so many people that feel like they're not seen in the world, and, and you try to look for things in television and movies, that where you can see yourself in them but this is this is like it feels so much more subtle and so much more effective here when you're not trying to like look over here look over here this look at what we're doing when you just have this person come in and say i have a voice now it's so much more effective 
and it me it it conveys the same idea in a more effective and subtle way than than having somebody constantly say I need to be seen I need to be seen I need to be seen it feels so good to be seen I'm going to okay I'm going to potentially sound like an idiot and I'm really and this is a, a legitimate question okay I'm sorry if this like ticks anyone off by me even asking this but this part that you're talking about Eric yeah we now have a voice good for us bad for you all the times I watched it I guess that's just like the one thing that's kind of going over my head not the fact that they have they have a voice now and they didn't before but how is that good for them and bad for Dreadnought well Well, I I think oh sorry it's good for them because now they can they can work together and they have a sense of hope by being able to talk to each other and communicate. Yeah, and just going going back, I mean that that was part of the control, and now that the control's taken, <clears throat> they're able to control more of their their destiny. It, like Eric said, it's it's about hope. Um, the the only thing I, I kind of wanted to add on to sort of both of your points. So the the thing with Gray, we did talk that to death, and I think the general consensus was. <clears throat> If you're going to bring that to light, that part of the story, like actually do something with it, and they didn't really do anything with it. So you saw, but you didn't hear. So my question is, is it better to be seen or is it better to be heard? Because in Discovery, you had, you see it. It was all about being seen. In Prodigy, right now it's about being heard. Our voice is being heard. We are, you know, taking back that that control that was taken from us because we were not heard. Um, I don't know if that's maybe getting dipping a little bit too much into like the, the philosophy of, of seen or heard, but it, it did seem a little bit more effective when you know when you when you hear somebody coming at you when you when you. Um, when you're able to to actually hear what they have to say as opposed to just seeing them somewhere because gray for me was in the background it was it was just a background piece almost a a token that they wanted to parade around without actually advancing that character's story arc i mean what did we do uh, okay kind of became zora's like chess buddy and then here go go uh you know go to trill I don't, I don't i don't know so yeah like, resume resume your guardian training just yeah i don't know i feel like i feel like in this context being seen and being heard maybe are similar right you know i feel like they're try. i feel like maybe they're trying to use them in the same way but that 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 is a, a good point that you could try and make. Is there a difference between being seen and heard? And I don't know the answer to that. I mean, because I see myself, I see as a white man, I see myself represented everywhere, right? I have a voice. I mean, it's, I guess it's, it's just two sides of the same coin in a sense, you know? Um, 
I mean, from an I mean, if we're if we're thinking of it maybe from like an advocacy kind of standpoint, where you use your voice to help others be seen. I mean, I think there's like that that connection that you have to to parallel. So maybe it's not one is more important than the other. It's in what context are we really trying to make sense of the importance in that moment? Question mark in that situation. Um, but personally, um, and I, and I hope I don't tick anyone off if I do, it's, um, at Eric on Twitter, um, that you can, that you can hate tweet. But personally, I feel like Prodigy stuck the landing a little bit better than what we saw in Discovery in terms of like these two themes and like how they were, they were carried out with their characters and the story as a whole. Well, I think absolutely Prodigy did it more effectively. Okay. Okay. Um, oh, by the, by the way, Chase, just because we're, we're here, what, what's, what's up with the claw thing being able to decapitate metal? Like, what are, is this like Wolverine claws, like adamantium, <laughs> you know, super Cation claws, like, I mean, they even seem to hey, glow bub. a bit. Does she got? Does she have like little little saber claws? Like, I mean, yes. what are we doing? I, I I get the point of it, and we get the little scratch marks and on a black screen type of deal. But yeah, okay. Hey, bub, mm, you got to give me time to heal. It would have been hilarious if that character had that kind of voice. Like Hugh Jackman just came in to voice this Cation. <laughs> Listen here, bub. I'm tired of your crap. I have a voice now, and I've got claws. <laughs> you know what I need to do, David? I need to do, like, a Wolverine Cation dub and, like, put it, like, on Twitter or the Facebook group or something. <laughs> I mean, I've done it with like other shows. I might as well do it with Star Trek. Like, why not? Why not? Coming fall 2024. We don't have a podcast for this episode, apparently. That'll be later. That'll be a YouTube channel. Just chase dubs. Yeah. Yeah. Dub Trek. Ooh, that's a good channel name. Dub Trek. Let's do and it. And it's gone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, someone just took it. <laughs> Dang it. I'm going to create it before they even hear this episode. <laughs> it was never created, y'all. It was never created. Okay. All right. Um, so just kind of sticking with um, the Rev 12 and everything and, like, what's happened. So they've been able to overcome Dreadnought. Stuff has been stabilized, um, certainly, like, with the atmosphere and all that and the power and stuff like that and we gotta get to the protostar and people are kind of like bum rushing the bridge and everything well, they're well, like I think it looks like I they're think before that we have to say that before we decapitated dreadnought he sent he he figured out where the protocore was and he yes. sent those instructions to how they could beam it right out of murph's gut essentially <laughs> yep sometimes whenever i eat things that i don't like i wish like that indigestion could be beamed right out of me. I'm just saying. 
Is that how they do lipo in the future? They just beam it out? Let's ask Dr. Crusher or Dr. Bashir. Let's see what happens. It's like I'm living in the dark ages. You're drilling holes in this man. We just transport this out nowadays. What are you using? A vacuum cleaner on that woman? What is this? Uh, we've simultaneously advanced medical science and sent it all the way back again. Oh, David, 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 David. Okay, yes, we have beamed stuff without Pepto Bismol out of freaking Murph's gut, and uh, now we got to get to the protostar and stop some stuff before they get the heck away, which at the same time, like it's being re-uploaded um, into the proto drive. And by the way, we have 10 minutes before it's ready to rock and roll again. So that's, that's probably an important component. Um, but they're like kind of hopping in like these like little, it looks like a skate pod looking things or like the things that show up in like guardians of the galaxy volume two or something like those little arcade bike things. I don't yeah, know. But then they just turn out to be like workstations. Yeah, <laughs> it was really weird. That was the weird. Like I was like waiting for them to go like pew 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 and like just like shoot out of like an airlock, you know. Oh Lord, have mercy. And I guess fast forward a few more things. Like you know, Gwen is supposed to be doing some stuff like lowering some shields. We we find out um, so that we can get back to the ship. It's not happening. And Jankum eventually is like, "Hey, we can get over there eventually." one at a time. I think, I think you're missing a key point. In I am missing line. a point. Yes, I am missing a part. But to do that, we got to lower the shields. And and Dal is eventually like, I can't believe I'm saying this, but yeah, let's fire let's fire on the shield emitter, which Zero had recommended that we do. Um, so like that's how it kind of comes off. I was just trying to like tidy it up like real quick um, so we could get over to the protostar. Um, unless I'm missing something else, everyone. No, you're missing something very important that I think works very effectively when you see these two episodes right back to back. There's this whole, like, preparation montage before we actually head back to Tars Lamora. And there's yes. one point where Gwyn is typing away on her screen and, and Hologram Janeway comes over and says, Nice upgrades! Right before they do the three coffee mug clinks together. And you're like, well, what upgrades are she talking about? And like, mm-hmm. here we go. Here's here's the here's the payoff from that. And so you know, we have our goth hologram, emo hologram Janeway who's been taking control That's of. Right. But it's all subterfuge, right? It wasn't real, right? right. And this is like the whole thing. This is like we're using our our first of all, we're planning for for the betrayal. We're thinking ahead. We're using our ingenuity and we're using our intellect mm-hmm. to try to outsmart our opponent, right? We're not trying mm-hmm. to just how can we outfight him or outmuscle him, but we're gonna outsmart him, and we did that through subterfuge. Here we made him think he was in control when he really wasn't. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so do you, so do you think that uh, do you think that hologram Janeway picked her emo costume, or you think that was like Gwen's suggestion? 
do you think secretly deep down in the programming of hologram 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 Janeway, she's actually just a little little emo yeah. just in general? She got she got a fallout boy thing, right? Deep down inside. So yeah, can, can you can you just like program some some eyeliner up here? It's like what? <laughs> yeah, just like make me a little paler and like darker hair. That's gonna have to be a future poll. Like what <laughs> what bands were on like punk, <laughs> goth, Janeway's like Spotify playlist? <laughs> like was there like some like you know ancient Earth music from like you know Fall Out Boy or My Good Charlotte or yeah. Panic um, at the disco? Panic at the yeah, disco? Panic, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you have to say it like Panic. Because there's an exclamation point. There, there, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think there was. I think there was. <laughs> oh, that's a future poll, everyone. So get, get, get ready. Get ready. Get ready. But anyway, okay. anyway, Janeway starts to get into a fight with the diviner to buy Gwen more time to do what she needs to do, and Janeway mm-hmm. eventually like rips off like a little tube on his chest. And he's like, uh, oh, IV. Uh, uh, you, you've injured me, and I can't breathe. And progeny, you can't, you can't do this. Don't do the thing. Which I don't know. If, oh, I'll, I'll save it. But like, I have like questions about the IV breakage thing. It's fixed pretty quickly, right? Yes. <laughs> it's fixed really quickly. Like. Progeny, let's go to the holodeck. Well, it's like it's like progeny. You're going to the you holodeck. Can't, you can't do this. Like I, I have to. I'm gonna tell you the truth. Finally, I'm gonna tell you everything you need to know, and we can still save our people. She's like, what? Janeway's like, look, okay. Don't listen to him. Don't listen to him. She's like, freeze, Janeway. Eric, David, when this was going on, okay, like I'm going to tell you what actually happened you're going to know the truth the whole truth so help you god like i felt like at times like this was like a freaking dragon ball z storyline next time on dragon ball z where like it takes fourteen thousand episodes to finally get to the point like the payoff of like you know goku or whatever fighting freaking you know vegeta or something like that and they're charging up a freaking energy ball it's like next time on Dragon Ball Z. Previously on Dragon Ball Z. Next time on Dragon Ball Z. Thirteen episodes later, they finally shoot the dang thing, and nothing really happens. That's how I felt with well, this. Well, I, I feel like it took I, for freaking ever. I feel like that's where the 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 this being two episodes instead of one really hurts that idea. I feel like if we had just gotten this in one episode, right, where they they talked about it last week. Oh, I'm going to tell you the truth. And now we had to wait a week. Oh, I'll finally tell you the truth. It would have been more effective. I don't necessarily think you would feel that way if we had gotten this as just one episode. Well, even, I mean, not just like last week's episode, but like this has been like, in a way, this has been sprinkled throughout the, these first 10 episodes. It has, yeah. Like even, even when we're in the premiere episode, like there's like some stuff going on, like even like, and I think like some pseudo flashbacks um, at different points as well. So, like, I'm making I'm I'm making it a bigger deal than it actually is. But it was just like, okay, diviner. It would be a divine moment if you would actually just spit it out. Well, I mean, when when he attempted to tell her, was it the last episode or the episode before that? 
he had figured out her subterfuge or part of it. Yeah. That she was hiding something. So, you know, they were doing their glow thing. And he's like, oh, you're lying about something. I can't tell you yet. Progeny, uh, you're a liar, liar, bent on fire. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we, we, we did get the payoff, though. Yeah, and, and yeah, I know so. we, we had... Well, we would all, we'd all, but we'd both. There's, there's more than two of us here. All three of us had been sort of speculating as like, what, like, what is the reason he needs the protostar, right? And we kind of came to this agreement, like, somehow he wants to try and save his people, right? Whether that's energy to recreate people, does he need to travel fast and go far? And I think we were kind of like in agreement that we hoped it wasn't just. Do we need to travel fast? But, I mean, we're right in that sense that he's trying to save his people, right? And he, mm-hmm. the protostar is his way of doing so, but not in the way that I think any of us thought. Yeah, we were no. trying to be optimistic, I think. <laughs> I think we were trying to, like, no, he's not completely evil. Yeah. He can't be. Well, is he evil? This is the question. Is he evil or does he just want what's best for his people? And what's best for his people is not necessarily what's best for Starfleet and the Federation. And we're so used to thinking about what's best for Starfleet and the Federation is the good. And anybody who thinks mm-hmm. that what's not, anybody who's in like contrast to that is like the evil person. Well, no, But not, I'm not, not saying to- that he's not evil, but... Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, not not to be too philosophical again, but I mean, I, I don't want to steal Chase's thunder because normally he does the drops here. But like, I mean, effectively, the payoff is is that first contact effectively ruined this society. Yes. They yeah. turned on each other. It was a civil war. They destroyed each other. They destroyed themselves. I, I, I th- this isn't necessarily a super uncommon story, and it's something that I think. I don't know if it's something that as, you know, like a member of Starfleet, you can necessarily predict, but I, I would, I would venture down just this path, just a wee bit. If you have a society that based upon their world effectively being shrunk because they are, they had this seemingly, at least the way I understood it, kind of a superiority complex where they were the center of their universe. If you have a society that collapses within like, I think they said like 50 years mm-hmm. from first contact, man, I have sympathy, but at the same time, it's like there is something deep-seated in there that like, I don't know, man. It seems like course running its course. Yeah. It's bad, but it's like I, the the retribution aspect of the diviner is so overblown. Like just stop first contact. Just like figure out a way to communicate with Starfleet and be like, whoa, let's stop. Well, because I mean, we've had episodes in the normal series that we avoided that particular either contact or event from even happening. Mm-hmm. In this case, I can't 
say that the diviner doesn't have this spirit of evil and it could have just been uh, uh, an effect of seeing his entire world being destroyed but at the same token he's not just looking to stop first contact he is looking to destroy starfleet mm-hmm. with its own ship yeah yeah mm-hmm. he, he what, it, what his words are we are confident in our superiority and then set in our belief that we are alone in existence that there's nobody out there but then he also says like like the, fe- the first contact from starfleet was the spark that started this civil war right like like david said like even the diviners seeming seeming to admit here that like their society wasn't perfect because like you know wars wars like don't usually just start over one small thing right there's some bubbling animosity underneath there like world war one didn't start because the archduke was assassinated right that was just the spark that caused the war to start there was already animosity between all the sides and so yeah their society as supreme like in their confidence whatever he's saying was probably headed for some trouble anyway right and he said they were fighting people that wanted to side with starfleet and that people that wanted were like uh they wanted to protect their their way of life right and i think i think there's some veiled like references there to maybe some current political climate going on and some of the rhetoric being used about sure immigrants and migrants and oh we need to keep them out and protect our protect our way of life sure i mean that that that's uh, that that's been a theme though about like sort of the the contamination mm-hmm. of of culture uh, within you know some of some star trek and and with a lot of different yeah, sci-fi Starga- fandoms Stargate as well it. stargate so. has several episodes where where that yeah that happens right when you really step to the stargate yeah. and they come onto a planet and oh and then you know bad things happen between the people there that yeah all the time. Now, the the other thing, though, that, that I kind of had a, a little bit of a thought of. Now, generally speaking, first contact is made once a civilization reaches warp capability. Yeah. We're assuming that's still the rule, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the, the problem is, is that this was an inevitable shift for the society no matter what. Because eventually they would have ran into Somebody. someone. It, might yes. not have been Starfleet. It could have been a Ferengi. It could have been the Klingons. It could have been the Borg, the Romulans, the Borg. Yeah. Right. So either way, the society was already at that trajectory of change, and they just couldn't accept it. So, you, you know, again, I don't want to be like cold about it, but it's it's kind of hard for me to to feel a ton of sympathy when you didn't deal with your societal problems. As you are moving out into the stars, yeah, and I, and I, it's, it's right. tough. I think Gwyn recognizes that right away. She's like, "You can't trade one tragedy for another, right? What you have to do is yeah. talk to Starfleet and and figure out ways to stop this from happening again in with some other race that they may encounter." Right. Yeah. This one thing that I liked about what was what was happening in this um, this hologram program that we were seeing like with 
um, showing like the before, the after, and like the motivations behind all this stuff was I was really appreciating like the thread from first contact that we saw just a few weeks ago in how it kind of like entered into this even of first contact is a very, very sensitive uh, time and a, and a moment for a society, especially for, you know, Starfleet going and doing their thing, reaching out to them, like after they've met a certain threshold. And I can't help but wonder if like, yes, like they, they had to have had like some kind of like faster than light travel. That's like usually like pretty, pretty standard requirement before first contact is made. So there had to have been something there, but like, like you're both saying, like with these like societal differences and like other, other factors playing in, were they as a society not ready or was there uh, a, a, a team, whether it was Chakotay's team or it was any other, you know, Starfleet crew that maybe wasn't as well versed in first contact procedures, despite it being a thing that you're straight up trained to do at, at the drop of a hat, really. Yeah, yeah. I mean, joking aside, like with what, you know, like first contact versus second contact, like we see, we saw like with lower decks, like all joking aside on that, like as a Starfleet officer, like as part of being part of Starfleet, you're, you're charged with, you know, seeking out new life and civilizations and, you know, making contact and, and like respecting prime the prime directive, General Order One, whatever you want to call it. There's one other thing though, because that that does that does sort of bring up another thought. So, do you think Starfleet handled the contact with this race properly? Do you think that? I mean, because clearly they have some sort of psychic thing going they've got movable metal or whatever the heck that is they clearly have some technologies we've seen periodically where there are people within starfleet that do not always have the best intentions and are looking to advance correct other causes so my wonder is is were, were they actually ready to be brought into the fold? Um, was it happening too quickly? Did they not properly verse whatever diplomats or whoever they sent out? Did they not properly uh, uh, give enough to the this society in order to help kind of ease them into a view, just the view that there is a larger universe out here? And the other thing that I would start that I I've just started to think about a little bit. Do you think all intelligent life has a need to move beyond their planet? Because and the only reason I ask that is because this is a society that clearly thought that they had a, like that they were alone in the universe. So why would they go? You know, what is the motivation to even reach warp? You know what I mean? Is it a resource-driven thing? Is it just to prove that they're correct? Or was there... We 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 heard this. There was a split in society. Some that sided with Starfleet. Some that sided with their own way of life. Maybe there was a group of people that said, no, there's, there's more out there. there. There has to be. We have to find it. And again, 
just inner workings of Catalyst, but just to get back to it, do you think that Starfleet actually handled that correctly? Well, let's let's think about this for a second. I believe part of the dialogue, if unless I heard it wrong, was that he was sent back to try and right a wrong that happened with the society. That it is here right now, and that we have a chance to fix this and to deter it, delay it, whatever from happening, essentially. So we don't know what the state of Starfleet and by extension the Federation look like in that particular time as of yet. We know what the Federation and Starfleet was as a whole by the time of the burn and everything like that, even a hundred years prior to the burn, uh, thanks to Discovery and like all the, the storytelling that went with that. But depending on where this actually lands, maybe there's a decline that's taking place and we're just in like this or this wider organization is is like scraping the bottom of the barrel more or less to get as many as much of a resource both in technologies and in people groups to stay alive because maybe they're on like life support so to answer your question i don't know if that's the case but perhaps it would lean more towards that maybe that's a future story that will get fleshed out at some point with the diviner and and the Valnicot. Yeah, I mean... I mean... Yeah, that's a good question. I, I don't know the answer to that. But it's a good question to pose and think about. For sure. It does start to feel like a Stargate episode. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking that before Eric even said that. I was like, hmm, this seems familiar somehow. Yeah, yep. <laughs> yeah, Jack O'Neill running through the Stargate real quick. Or down hey folks, the how you path. doing? I'm Jack O'Neill. <laughs> I'm not a diplomat, but I'm the guy who's gonna make first contact with you. <laughs> so such a '90s thing, man. Oh, Jack, I, I miss Jack O'Neill. Oh, yeah. I really do. In Stargate, oh, in Stargate, Jack, Jack MacGyver. <laughs> okay, we had to MacGyver so many different right? supercomputers. <laughs> Okay, okay. Okay, yep. So Dow to the rescue, double phasers in hand. <laughs> right? Step away from the girl. She's with me. <laughs> that did not that did not go. Oh, I think it was gonna I thought it was gonna go. <laughs> <laughs> oh Lord. And then with all that happening. With him, like, doing his best, like, he gets all tied up with, like, the metallic goop thing and enter Zero. Yeah. Zero. Go do your thing. like, you used me as a weapon against people. Now it's time for you to see what I, what I, what I did for you to experience what you caused me to do to those other people. How do you like me now, Which, I mean, Diviner? I mean... There's a case to be said for, like, not lowering yourself to that level, right? Like, oh, you made me do this to other people. Now I'm going to get you back with it, right? I mean, there's a, like, the Star Trek attitude would be, you know, when they go low, we go high, you go high. right? Yeah. So, like... But, I mean, I think there's I think there's an argument to be said that it could be, like... A, a moment of empowerment for Zero's character, you know, 
Yeah, but this is the part of the episode that I didn't like. Um, when you see a Medusa and you are you're rendered insane. The life that you had is gone. They didn't kill him, but they killed him. I didn't like that at all. And to Eric's point, it was taking a lot of the lessons that you have learned over the course of this and throwing them away. I, I it was visually stunning. Oh, it looked amazing. I really, the, the, the animation was insane. It was so good. I didn't like the decision okay. at all. No, I, but I, I, like, I, I can understand it from Chase's perspective too. It's like it's zero taking taking back control in a certain mm-hmm. sense, but it does seem yep. a bit of like we should we should stay on the high ground, the moral high ground, but we're we're not we're not doing that here. It's 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 the teach, it's the lesson of it, you know. And when you're, I don't. I don't act like an old guy or anything, but when you're making a kid's show, I watched Star Trek as a kid. That's when I watched it. I was a kid when I started watching The Next Generation. Mm-hmm. And um, you saw all of these characters, and nobody was perfect. There were moments of, of imperfection. There were moments where people didn't live up to the values that they would put out there but at, at the same token I, I just um, I understand the decision because I think as humans we can be revengeful I think that there are certainly times where we would like to um, well get our re- revenge on people that have wronged us and so forth like that I, I totally get that but um, there's also a, a, a lesson that that's bigger than a single moment. It's, it's bigger. It's up. It's the really the fundamental lesson of the show, at least in my opinion, where we are attempting to do better. And that was a moment where we chose not to do better. We chose to stoop to the level that we fight against. And that it's, it's, it's fine. It's just, you know, I just didn't care for it, especially when we're kind of, you know, running it as as a kid show. Look, I don't want to I don't want to like dismiss anything that you're saying. I, I respect what you're saying, David. Yeah. Um, let me let me ask this though. What if there's of course this is a what if hypothetical kind of scenario. Um, we you and I, we just went through a trilogy and there were people that went insane uh, because of extra galactic interference type of stuff, um, which required a certain um, MacGuffin of sorts to fix the things, to get us to the point where things would be resolved with the mind meld. What if there's a there's a chance of, of using a mind meld to calm the storm that the diviner is experiencing now at a future point? Um. Yeah, I mean, they're sure, 
but does that change but does that change anything in terms of how you experienced it or or how you think about it hypothetically speaking no it, it's it's a bandage over a mistake i i get that and that that would be fine from a narrative standpoint but at the same token we're still we're still dealing with the choice of an individual but yeah, I, I get where you're coming from. And then we even had some collateral damage in, in this as well. Right. Which I, well, I hope that they explore later on. Right. And even even through all this, like with what happens to the Diviner and even what happens to Gwyn, Zero's the one that truly has to live with all this. Like the choices that they made. Right, mm-hmm. wrong, or indifferent. Mm-hmm. They got to live with it. Yeah. And that, and that could be a good lesson if they choose yes. to explore it. Yeah. Yeah, we have our little Ark of the Covenant moment, right? When it like gets opened up at the end. Don't look at it. Don't, <laughs> Don't look, look at it. Don't look at it. <laughs> look at me. That's all I that's all I could think of the whole time this was happening is like that's like the Ark of the Covenant. Oh. I, I'll do, I'll do you one better, Eric. I was thinking of of Ark of the Covenant, like Raiders of the Lost Ark, Ark of the Covenant, yeah. and I was thinking of the Basilisk with the Chamber of Secrets. <laughs> For all the Harry Potter fans out I there. David gets it. <laughs> okay. yeah. But but it's like it's like there was this moment where it was like no look at me look into our look into my eyes stay focused on me. Yep. And like we said it last week or I did. There was a moment where like Dal and Gwen hugged and it felt more like a friendship hug rather than like a romantic hug. And I said I don't want them to explore like romance between these two characters. But this moment felt like a, like it was set up to, to further a romantic story between these two characters. I don't know if either of you two felt that way. I didn't. But that's kind I of how I way. felt. Like with this and then like some of the, fo- the follow-up to it later in this episode. Well, it's kind of a fundamental question. How deep can a platonic friendship a platonic relationship go before it goes too far or can it continue to go I, I but no I I, under, I I totally understand what you're saying I don't necessarily know if I viewed it like that but it did feel a little bit more intimate a little bit more intimate than it had previously so I, I can agree with you a little bit there but I think like and maybe even for our listeners this is like a good like distinction like just because something is intimate doesn't mean that it's intrinsically romantic either like yeah, but how, how intimate be, of a moment can a man and a woman a male and a female share before it becomes romantic that like that's the that's I mean, the get, question next sure. season on dragon ball z <laughs> <laughs> will we ever find out if goku ever shot his energy ball at vegeta Tune in next fall. There's a character named Vegeta. Vegeta. Yeah. <sighs> but no, I, I, I agree. I, I think it would be it would be perfectly fine just to leave everybody as friends. This isn't like a ratings grab. This isn't, you know, uh, sweeps week. We, we, we can just just have this crew of, of just really close, tight friends, and it would be perfectly fine. And that is exactly what they are. Mm-hmm. And, and it is perfect the way that it is. Okay. Like the friendships are written well, the family aspect of of the relationships are written very well. 
And of course, we see that moments after this happens with like the the scene of like Zero not leaving Gwen's side in sick bay, like using busting out the tricorder. Y'all know I love Zero with a tricorder for crying out loud. And this great like little um little speech that that hollow Janeway is giving along the way um, and we find out that Gwen uh, there's no real permanent damage apart from just not being able to remember that particular event which is very convenient but I'm, I'm okay with it I can live with that I can live with that yeah. hey but captain's log yeah we get a, or a log a log, log entry right, log. training officer's log right and uh, it's it's a really I don't remember all the words like but it's a really good what she says about how you know these they became a crew right they became starfleet and um you know they're all prodigies in their own respect but like she also says that the unwanted you know they've gotten their own ship and you know learning how to pilot and command a ship will be difficult for them but i think that they'll be able to do that they'll be able to work together and we've left the diviner he's now the soul unwanted his reign of terror has hopefully ended yes yes but but i like i have i have i'm confused right and we we gotta talk about a little bit of this confusion that i have and i sent a text to the both of you earlier today trying to like prepare you for my confusion like we've asked ourselves repeatedly over the course of this season here when does this show take place like where in the timeline and chase you brought up this issue of like uniforms uniforms are supposed to tell us where we are in the timeline right if you look at a uniform you can get a general sense of where we are but we've got some issues because like in lower decks lower decks has their new uniforms but on the titan they're still wearing the grays so we've got two uniforms right then and that's like 2381 in the flashbacks of picard which are like 2385 there's a different uniform from either of the lower decks or the grays right Mm -hmm. and then in the the present of star trek picard 2399 there's a different Mm -hmm. type of uniform and now here we've got a different type of uniform again right but in the hollow recording of chakotay he's wearing the same style uniform that we see our crew put on, right? Right. So the the start so, so, date. I hope no, I'm no, not no, stealing this, your. This is what I want to get. It, two two episodes ago, we had a start date, and it was six zero seven one two five point six. So essentially, Wait, say, oh, essentially, say, say that one more time. Six zero seven one two five point six. That's six hundred and seven thousand, right? 607,000 and Chase put that into his online calculator and that gave us the year like 2900 and we're all like whoa whoa this takes place way in the future like and and there was that tweet from the creators that it said it took place over 300 years into the future but this episode gives us a star date and a little coda 
a little coda, right? That like totally is confusing to me because in this training little in this training log, Janeway gives the star date or hologram Janeway gives the star date is six one one zero three point one or sixty one thousand. So two episodes ago we got a star date of six hundred and seven thousand. This episode we get a star date of sixty one thousand. And I think if you put this into your little calculator online, this would give us a date of like twenty three eighty four, twenty three eighty five. Yeah, right. Which is like when the flashbacks of Star Trek Picard are taking place, right when the Romulan star is going supernova. That's when this takes place. So, like, I'm totally confused. Like, we know there's time travel because the Diviner got sent back in time. But, like, I, I, I'm confused about the timeline here. And then this coda makes it even more confusing because, <laughs> because like, real Janeway is still alive and she's a vice admiral. Mm-hmm. And Chakotay, I'm coming for you, my friend. Like she expects to find him alive. Well, I want to. I want to. I'm, con- I'm confused. Be, I want to add one more thing that I was going to ask you, Vince, about too, regarding uniforms. <laughs> so now does, you understand why I hate it. <laughs> <laughs> no, so the uniforms, okay, that that they're wearing, on on what we find out is the Dauntless, by the way. Um, wearing the Endgame All Good Things Com Badge. Which is like an alternate future. Future, right. So are we in an alternate future with Star Trek Prodigy? This is confusing. Because we're still wearing like the... Like, we're not wearing the end game, all good things uniforms from that era, but we're wearing essentially like next gen admiral slash lower decks type of uniforms with that particular com badge. Mm-hmm. So, like, if we're taking cues from like the com badge and the style of the uniform, it's not lining up, like you're saying, with what we're seeing in lower decks as well as in Star Trek Picard stuff. So, Eric, I really hope you're not about to take your shuttlecraft and go home because of I'm this. I'm not, but because I'm enjoying this show, <laughs> I'm just confused. And if I'm confused, I think there might be other people. Maybe I'm just thinking too hard about it, right? Because I'm such a, a big fan and I spend hours talking about it, right? I get myself confused. But if I just watch the episode, I'm not going to confuse myself as much. Hmm. But I still that tweet from the creators that they that they put out. They said it takes place 300 years in the future. Like, why would yeah. they say that and then give us this scene right here? Are they just are they just messing with us? Ah, uh, maybe. Who knows? Who knows? But I will say, I will say this little this little teaser at the end. Right, I'm calling it a coda because I'm trying to tie it into the CODA series, right? <laughs> yes, Look at you using words. I know, right? Like, <laughs> boop, boop on the computer screen. Captain, 
or not at Cap Admiral. I'm picking up a, a proto drive signature, and we get real Janeway. And I was like, oh! It was like one of those moments, like yo! <laughs> I can um, like when, when this happened, I was imagining how I was when I saw a Titan or when I saw a Riker with the Titan lower decks. I'm like. I was like a freaking fanboy. I can only imagine what Eric was like whenever he saw a real Janeway in yeah, this. Yeah, I, I like, sat up straight and leaned forward and was like, Oh, Janeway! The real one! I think Eric might have soiled himself, David. I mean, I'm I mean, I'm, I got a little bit of control. Bodily control. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, she's like, she's like, two is, two is a coincidence. Three is a pattern. Get us, get us to the the nearest coordinates, Chicote, my friend. I'm coming for you. I'm looking for you. I'm here to help. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This, but blah. That was good. And then, yeah, the sh the ship is the Dauntless, which, if some of you don't understand that reference, that's from a fantastic Voyager episode called Hope and Fear, with the quantum slipstream. Who knows if this is the exact same ship or if. I don't. Th I think because I think that ship got assimilated by the Borg at the end of that episode. Spo spoiler. Yeah, I was reading some. I was I was reading some articles um, after the fact, and it's it's definitely not. Yeah, not it's the like same. did did Starfleet name it that because they're experimenting with quantum slipstream? It's possible, but the bridge layout like looks basically you, the same. Exactly the same. Yeah, exactly the same. Uh. Yeah, so I'm when I saw that and I was just like freaking losing it and I do not want to wait until the fall or early 2023 to see what happens, but I have to and I don't want to. That's just where I'm at right now. Mm -hmm. <sighs> it felt like David. a season finale though, right? We wrapped up yeah. our storyline and yeah. here's the cliffhanger, the tease. Such a tease. Anything else anyone wants to add before we we actually talk about how do we freaking evaluate this episode? No? All right. Let's get into Delta. So if this is your first time listening, we're going to do a thing called the Delta, where we uh, look at the different aspects of Starfleet service from science and command divisions, which are kind of self-explanatory, um, to that of engineering and um, operations like techno babble and just how ships function and like different logistics and operational um, readiness type of stuff so let's start with um, who do we usually start with I feel like it's it's usually David isn't it let's start, let's start with Eric okay um, yes engineering right we got to fix the the um the computer, not the, the engine, right? Essentially, the mm -hmm. thing that's gonna restore the atmospheric, and we get some great techno babble out of Rock Talk, and she fixes it. And yeah, and we're we're using engineering, our knowledge of science, to do that. And then Dal comes in, and he's got to figure out a way to talk to everybody, and he uses his ingenuity to jury rig, right? Those are his words, right? To jury rig the um. Mm -hmm the communicators to work so that's good that's good you know science and engineering right we've also got hey if we target their 
they're the shields, right? We can we can you know do special targeting. We can figure out a way to transport you on the ship. So we're using we're thinking about science as we're doing this. So I'm right there, science engineering. I think this episode has that. Um, I'm struggling to find command, not because not because I like I don't want to find it, but like. I feel like we're just we're just in a chase the entire episode. I don't feel like there are a lot of moments to like really make decisions because we just have to go, right? There's one point where Dal's going to beam over to the protostar and he's like and they're like what's the plan? He's like I'll tell you when I have one, right? He doesn't have a plan because he hasn't had time to like stop and think about it. And so I don't know if there's really a lot of command. I mean, yes, he makes the decision to fire on his ship, which is, like, a big decision. So maybe there's something there. I don't know if either yeah. the two of you can find command or if you understand, like, why I'm hesitant there. But science and engineering, yeah, I'm trying to find command, but it's just not quite there for me. Okay. Okay. David? Yeah, um, yeah, tons of engineering. Um, from the, the communicator to the, you know, the fixing of the generator, shield generator, engine, zappy Tesla coil thing. Um, I would say, uh, well, also spot of spot of science, medical science with, with Gwen at the end, you know, they were able to, uh, navigate that particular problem and bring her back with a nice little, little head machine. Mm. <laughs> Whatever that's doing with her, um, c- command. The, the only the only thing that I would say for command, because I, I kind of agree with Eric, it, it was definitely like more on the go. So it's not necessarily the standard bridge scene where everybody's like, "What do we do now, Captain?" However, you know they they do still look to Dal to make to make decisions, and and like the firing on the ship, they gave a suggestion. They do look towards Dal. He said, I can't believe I'm doing this, but yeah, fire on the ship. So they they did, they fired on command. So there's there's that aspect of it. But I yeah, I, I would say it's it's relatively light because they're they're still kind of executing the plan, what's left of the plan. They're just trying to get to to the end game here. So yeah, that that's a little lacking. I mean, you know, get give them a little maybe like a quarter half delta on, on command and it's not good or bad it just it, it's fine sure sure um i think with the the command stuff um I, i'm i'm i don't know if it's fair but i mean my show i guess i can make the rules up as i go um like you you have a trajectory for each of these characters and their own growth and development in these first 10 episodes and front with like especially like with Dow who has just uh, he doesn't know anything about himself he, he, he like there's just uncertainty upon uncertainty with him and and like you see him like in the very beginning like no 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 we are not going to starfleet no they're just going to tell us what to do and by the end of this episode the end of this these first 10 episodes he's like we got their ship. Let's go to Starfleet. Let's give it back to them. Oh. So. Well, that was Quinn's reaction, right? 
Oh, yeah. Oh, I was like, what? What'd I say? <laughs> <laughs> yes, that was Gwen's reaction. Very good, Eric. <laughs> um, so, like, I don't know. Like, I kind of got like a soft spot a little bit for that just from like character growth. But and I'm probably taking um, maybe an unconventional way of looking at it. But even with Jankum, who has been like the like the unofficial engineer up to this point, like this unofficial chief engineer prior to the rock talk thing, even though he's in air quotes, like engineering division, right? Um, he's still showing leadership by saying, you know more than I do about this, go do it type of thing. So I'm I'm willing to to give a little bit when it comes to like that. I mean, I, I do see like command showing up in different ways, even if it isn't outright from a um, a, a, a burgundy wearing per, um, shirt person, right? Uh, but engineering upon engineering, science, yes. I mean, check the box for me. Science sealed, delivered. I'm yours when it comes to zero with a tricorder. Just give me zero with a tricorder all day, every day, and I can live with that, man. Let's go. Um, Let's move into to numerical ratings. So if this is your first time listening, we rate this episode on a scale of 1 to 10, 1 being an absolute dumpster fire, 10 being absolutely amazing. So, David, how would you rate this episode? Um, I, you know, it's it's not, for me, the, my, my favorite episode to end all episodes. One thing, though, that I, I just thought about as we were kind of doing Deltas I realized that I, I had thought about this in the episode and that they, at the end of the episode, were no longer wearing uniforms. It's mm-hmm. like, crap. Why didn't you just put on fresh uniforms? Yeah. Come on. Yeah. Do the do the Starfleet thing. Do do it. Um, that was <laughs> anyway, a that's a small... Uh, it's a small point of contention. It's fine. Um, it's just Zero got a little bit more Iron Manned up. You know, she had some different... Uh, different uh, colored parts on them. It just made me think of Iron Man. So anyway, the things, the things that we think about at the very end. Um, but to, to the episode, it would have been better if we had one long episode. Just in my opinion, I think that it flowed fine, but I, I just would have liked to have had it interconnected in its own thing because it, it felt very much to me like we had two very fast, short episodes that we had, you know, cut in half um, but I do like how all of these uh, characters have kind of come into their own I like the fact that you know Rock Talk is able to continue to use this accumulative, accumulated knowledge that she gained over however long she was uh, alone learning the maths um, I think that I think that I, you know, I really like the continued uh, sort of payoff of the plan uh, with with hologram Janeway not being emo Janeway, but emo Janeway in, in disguise or regular Janeway in disguise of an emo Janeway. Who knows? She could be emo, but I, I, I like that aspect of it. I like how we continue to see like Dal grow, uh, not just in the command, but also just in the technical sense. Like he's 
he's uh, he's thinking about ways to fix problems where previously I, was, I would have been like, well, how the how the heck would he have known how to do any of that? But it's cool that he's he's able to you know continue to pull some of those surprises out there. Um, and you know what? I really like that Gwen, uh, despite figuring out the truth, is still trying to do the right thing as to, you know, the way, the way she believes, you know, sort of the Starfleet right thing to be, mm-hmm. um, even going up against her father, her clone, uh, who knows how that all happened, but you know, it's, it's fine. We'll call it her, her dad. <laughs> um, <laughs> again, like, like I said earlier, the, the only, the only thing I didn't really like was, was the stuff with zero. I just, I didn't really care for that all that much. It, it just, it kind of, stoops a little low but but the only thing i would say is is we've had several of those moments where they haven't quite lived up but they learn from it so my hope is is that we have more character development with zero where she kind of learns from that maybe we have some further conversations with gwen uh concerning her recovery and you know they can build uh more of a friendship with those two characters as well where they're where they're very close uh, you know, over that sort of shared experience and helping each other learn yeah. as we go along. Um, and I, you know what? I liked our little, little fine as, as Eric calls it, the coda. I, I like that because it sets up something really potentially really fun for the whatever second half of the season, start of the next season, whatever we want to call it. I think that that sounds really, really cool. Although I can, totally hear that what is it the benny hill music going off in my head where they're like <laughs> go to the next coordinates oh they're not there do, 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 do. you know just as they're they're, they're traveling around <laughs> just trying to finally meet in the middle um but i i've just i've really enjoyed this show a lot um so for for rating i i would say i i ha- i would rate it higher than i did the previous episode and i'm fine with my ranking for the last episode i i don't want to change that now um but i, I don't want to go overboard either because while while i enjoyed it i just think it it would have been better sandwiched in into one grand grand episode and that would have that would have been almost almost perfect um so let's see. I had eight point four. I'm gonna say, I, I would I would throw this up as as a as a good solid eight point six and call it a day. Okay. What do you got, Eric? Okay. Well, I I did not think this particular half of the episode was fast. Right. I, last week's episode was fast. I thought this week's episode was fine. Right. In terms of speed and pacing. Right. I know David thought it was too really fast episodes but i thought this one you know was was correct and then watching them together it really felt like they wrote one episode and just had to find a place to cut it like hit like chase said hit the hit the stop button and export right whatever the term of the phrasing that you use it really felt like this was written as one episode and i really liked a lot of the payoff that we got from the first episode Right, what is it? Oh, there's some good upgrades. Oh, well, now we actually see what they're talking about, right? Um, mm-hmm. So I, I thought there was some some really good payouts. I, I love the the continuing moments of growth, right? Where things that happened in a previous episode are not forgotten about, but they're used again. That's very much like 
the original series of the next generation was like you hit the reset button on every episode and you go on to the next one um so i like that we're seeing that and i hope that we continue to see more of that right this has been a really good ride this season right i really enjoyed it a lot more than i thought i was going to i know chase this was the one that you were most looking forward to i was a little on the fence like how much of a kid show is it gonna be like is it gonna is there gonna be content there for that's more mature for adults and i've been really impressed by this entire season really enjoyed it it looks stunning like the scene when zero came out and did that was just remarkable right the scene when they went into proto warp last week was incredible so it's just the animation is top notch um you know the little janeway command how training hologram like log like those are getting to be better and better and she gave like a great speech here at the end about how they're learning and they're each prodigies in their own right i thought that was really cute um and i i just i I enjoyed it um i'll say i would say a lot of the things that david said about it um i didn't want to like just say those again um i mean i will say this if you look on imdb right now um you know it's only been a day so there are less votes than there are on the others but this is the highest rated episode on imdb of the 10 episodes so far it has a 9.1 last week's Immortal star part one has an 8.4 um I enjoyed it. I think I think I I'll stand by my rating from last week. I gave last week an eight point five. I think this one is slightly better because we get that payout from it. So David gave it an eight point six. Um, I'll give it an eight point seven because I was one tenth above him last week. <laughs> so I'll stay one tenth above him this week. <laughs> I saw that coming, by the way. Totally saw that coming. Um, I love the heck out of this story and this story being being the combination of part one and two together I love this story so much Um, as a entire story like putting one and two together without that random snipping of Dal and his jetpack racing towards something at the end of part one um if I were to rate the whole story all together, it's going to be like a nine, seven, nine, eight, nine, nine, something like that. I I love, I love the heck out of it. Um, but as separate stories, right? Like it's just, it's kind of awkward having like that just point that just quick, like cut it off here and export it. And we'll, we'll show the rest of the 20 minute, thing that we did next time um i do rate this one a little bit higher than i do um, last week's episode because of that very quick like running into a wall kind of full stop type of thing um look the the there was like one particular line that i just i came back to 
Uh, it was there at the end, and I, I loved it. And it, it speaks to the, the the captain's log, or sorry, the the training log, where she's in the the middle of her thing. Like she's already talked about how Zero hasn't left Gwen's side and everything. Thankfully, the only thing uh, lost were her memories of the event. And then this: these voyages have left an indelible mark on this crew. New worlds sought new life and new civilizations all to gain a little understanding of our greater galaxy the potential of our greater selves and they've learned they will always be stronger together i just i love that so much with that log and to me it's like just like one of the like standout pieces of dialogue with just even how simple it is in this um the animation we can't speak enough about the animation. The animation was great. The music that accompanied, accompanied this episode, fantastic. Um, the pacing, I loved. The the character moments, I loved. Even the ones like with Gwyn and the Diviner. Loved that. Learning more about the Vandekot and the planet they lived on. Um, just the fact that we're getting representation from the different divisions for once in a Star Trek series from this current revitalized era. Love it. And not just that we've like done it like once, but that this show has been consistent with it over these first 10 episodes has been a breath of fresh air as far as I'm concerned. And if you look, it still says like TVY7 whenever you look at like how these are rated and yet it's accessible to not just the kiddos and the teenagers, but it's accessible to like the moms, the dads, the 20s, the 30s, the 40s, the lifelong Treks, Trek fans. Um, so for me, um, I'm, I guess I'm being a little generous, but I really like this episode and I'm giving it um, a 9-2 for this week. So um, just looking at our overall average rating for this particular episode, we're looking at an 8.8 uh, for, for between all of us. And so far, I've been keeping a tally so far, Eric, your overall average rating for the first 10 episodes, um, 8.2 for you is your average. David, yours is a, um, is rounding it up an 8.6. And mine's, a, mine's also an 8.6. It's an 8.57, but 8.6. So we're all essentially in the same ballpark in terms of like our ratings our overall ratings and our experience with the show which is which is Man, great that just, that just great. seems low for me though <laughs> maybe it's just because maybe just because once we came back from our hiatus everything has just been top notch right ever since then. yeah 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 oh lordy 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 well we uh, we have we have discovery that's coming out coming back next week. Um, woo, woo! It's gonna be great. It's gonna be great. It's gonna be fine. It'll be fine. <laughs> It'll totally be fine. only have four episodes left, right? Look, I still can't make sense of that. Like I hear, I've, I've been hearing it's eleven. I've been hearing it's thirteen, and I wish I knew what the actual answer was. I really do. Mm-hmm. If it's eleven, great. If it's thirteen. Man, we are going to be in a world of hurt doing that and three well, weeks of Picard at a, the same time. A month time. from the date of this recording will be the premiere of Star Trek Picard. Let's go, somebody. 
yeah, the trial never ends. Make sure y'all listen to our uh, our episode on Q if you haven't already. Just saying, it's a coming. It's there, podcast land. But before we warp out of here, right? Before we get the heck out of here and do whatever it is that we are going to do, we have to deal with something even more important than watching Star Trek Prodigy or Discovery or Picard. And that is the Twitter poll. <whistles> Eric lives and dies on the Twitter poll. I got one, ri- I got so one he- right for a change. <laughs> <laughs> once. 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 <laughs> All right. Here, here's the Twitter poll. Here we go. So I polled the people of the Twitterverse and I asked them this question. Which Janeway would you want to spend time with the most? The options were Captain Janeway, Hologram Janeway, Admiral Janeway, or Goth Janeway. <laughs> so I'm gonna I'm gonna kick this off to Eric since this is how he vicariously he, he vicariously experiences Twitter through us, David, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Through these Twitter polls. Alright, so I got Captain Janeway, Admiral Janeway, Training Hologram Janeway, or Goth Janeway. That's right. That's right. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, I I don't want to spend time with Admiral Janeway because no? okay. she's an admiral and she's got too high of a rank and too much r- responsibility there. Um, Captain Janeway, as much as I love her, you know, there's a reason why we say, like, it's the right way or the, and the Janeway, right? There's no, there's no highway. <laughs> uh, she can be a little intense, uh, can't mm-hmm. she? I, I love Captain Janeway. I'm just gonna go with Captain Janeway. Going Captain yes, Janeway. Because okay. we can go to Fairhaven. We can go to her English Gothic Hala novel, right? <laughs> That's right. But you're also God. potentially stuck in the Delta Quadrant, so with her for seventy years. Yeah, so. yeah. I just go with her. As okay. long as I keep All her right. in coffee, we'll be fine. There's coffee in that nebula, Eric. Don't forget. Well, that. I don't drink any, so she can have she can have my share. There we go. There we go. All right, David. I think you actually participated in this this uh, particular poll. Mm-hmm. But but which 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 uh, Janeway would you want to would you want to spend the time with? Well, let's let's hyperanalyze this real quick. Mm, <sighs> no, well. I, I mean I actually agree with Eric. Like Admiral, nah, I mean who wants to really hang out with an admiral? I mean we're 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 just we're just some you know some ranking officers on a space station out here. She doesn't. We don't even know where this space station is. Have we established precisely where our space station is? Yeah, I, th- I think that's something we need to establish. You know, um, she she doesn't she uh, no admirals. Um, <laughs> plus, I mean, my God, how many of those are corrupted? Anyway, um, <laughs> training hologram Janeway is fine, but it's like. It, 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 it's like the uh, the Leah Brahms thing. It's like ah, I did, you know. Let's let uh, well, I'll take the real thing over the 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 you know the weird hologram deal. Um, so I, I think the obvious choice is actual Captain Janeway, but 
because I like to see the world burn, I totally <laughs> voted for goth Jane Way. We could listen to, you know, My Chemical Romance together. We could, you know, we I could teach her how to play guitar. Could, it would be a lot just, of fun. Just jam out to the when I was a young boy. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You, you know, I I could get I could get her like side eye like you know, looks, you know, when I do something stupid, you know, just as like, she's silently judging me, you know, you gotta love the judgment stares. That'd be a lot of fun out of emo Jane way. So yeah. <laughs> I'm just, just having Eric sing that song. You don't think I've heard that song before? <laughs> gold. No, I, I have no doubt <laughs> about that. Just, <laughs> just you sing it. Love it. <laughs> okay, um, let, let's let's go to the results, y'all. Let's go to the results. So, again, four choices: Captain Janeway, Hologram Janeway, Admiral Goth. Okay, coming in in fourth place with seven percent of the vote. Seven percent, Hologram Janeway. That's pretty high for fourth place. Yeah, we've had some fourth places with like zero. Yes, we have. And by the way, these are uh, 43 votes, by the way. So um, a pretty decent sample size, I suppose. I don't know. Um, okay, coming in third place, 14% of the vote. Because David likes to see the world burn, it was goth Janeway that got 14% of the vote. Yeah. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Coming in in second place, 34.9% of the vote on this particular Twitter poll, Admiral Janeway. Which, of course, that leaves 44.2% going to, you guessed it, Captain Janeway. This is the Janeway of doing things. So, there is no highway. There you go. There's no highway. <laughs> there's the right way, and then there's the Janeway. And no highway, yeah. All right, all right. Well, that's it for um, for Star Trek Prodigy for a while. Um, uh, ideally, it'll be later this fall, first of next year. Before we, uh, I'd love it sooner. Just like put it out next week, and I'll I'll watch it, and we'll we'll love it. I mean, whatever. But anyways, we'll be back next time to talk about uh, the continuing adventures of Star Trek Discovery season four, and uh, see where that takes us. Whether we end up with eleven episodes or thirteen, it is what it is. So. Uh, anyways, thank you all for listening, tuning in. We hope you all, y'all enjoyed, um, you've enjoyed Prodigy as much as we have, if not more. Uh, we'd love to hear your thoughts, your opinions on the show itself. Um, you can get get a hold of us, learn more about the show, trtvpod.com. You can interact with us on all the things on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, all at trtvpod. Uh, if you do want to email us, that is a thing, by the way. You can email us. It's fine. Like, you won't get zapped or electrocuted unless it's in a lightning storm and you're holding a key on a kite. That's different. I don't know why I said that. Anyways, if you want to email us, you can um, open up hailing frequencies and send it to trtvpod at gmail.com. You can also send us a voice-only transmission to 817-752-4757. There's a three-minute limit before we go to proto-warp, so be quick, I guess. Uh, finally, if you do want to mail us something like that sweet uniform that Admiral Janeway was wearing at the end, let's go. 
Get it to the Lone Star Station, P.O. Box 2455, Azle, Texas 76098. Everyone, thank you so much for tuning in and listening. And as always, remember to boldly go and make it so.